and let me ask you, how did you decide to do? Why did you decide to do the opening like that? That's a good discussion. Let's talk about it. Okay. Okay. Wait, this is just a pod. This is a podcast, not a. Yeah, we're not recording. I got you. Okay, here we go. And three, two. Okay, you better now. You on the? I'm ready. Let's go. Are you sure you're ready? No, but go. Okay. All right, here we go. In three, two, one. Welcome to the Rundown Podcast here on AccessWDUN.com as we welcome you inside our cozy little homes. Bo Wilson, alongside or across the computer screen from Jeff Rohart. How are you, Jeff? I'm good. How you doing, Bo? I'm good, man. What's been going on? Anything? Not much, man. <laughs> I mean, I would love to say that, you know, I, I've been busy, you know, going to Georgia baseball games or catching the Braves on the tube or, you know, even trying to figure out what's going on with the NFL draft. Uh, but I, I, there's nothing going on, Bo. What exactly? I can tell you how many trees are near my my RV and, you know, the... Uh, how many dogs a day pass by doing business, uh, if you're interested in that. Okay, not interested in that, but what have, <laughs> but, uh, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Yes. Uh, well, we, me and my wife have gotten into Boston Legal. We never watched that before. That's a fun little show. And we're re-watching Cheers, because that was always one of our favorite sitcoms. And uh, let's see, my younger son has us into Supernatural that's hit or miss. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, what else? Uh, just, you know, watching whatever we can, just, you know, hanging out, really. Just what hang- have you been doing? Well, just been uh, trying to find stuff to do. I mean, you know, uh, I've hit up some some Netflix shows in some spare time. Been we, actually, we we talked about Tiger King. I only nah, watched one episode. You next, said you watched two. Next, I think that show is a stupid show. Okay, and you know people's I, gone crazy over it. They they're dressing up like them. They're doing little parodies on Facebook and Twitter. And yeah, I mean it, it's it's really the most ridiculous show that I've ever seen. Wow, you got all after just two episodes. Yeah, I, I think it's. Yeah, we only got into one. We just, you know, we're watching other stuff. I, I, you know, but then now you mentioned something and I kind of meant to watch it, but I forgot it started, which was the last dance about the Chicago Bulls. Although we're not going to talk about the last dance here on the show today because you've not watched it yet, which, I mean, you should really be taking it. I lived it. I lived it. You should be taking the woodshed. You should be taking the woodshed for not watching the first two episodes. Of Take the last it to the dance. Yes. Take it to the woodshed. I mean, how can you not watch it, dude? How can you not sit down and watch it, then rewatch it? I don't know. I just I forgot that it was on. You know, have you, and I know you have because you know you're a sports guy. I'm a sports guy. But watching watching the last dance, which folks that are listening to this podcast have to know what the last dance is. It's the new docuseries on ESPN about uh, the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, his era there. But just watching some of the replays of Michael Jordan, that Chicago Bulls team, makes me long for those days again to watch basketball that was that good. Because you don't get basketball 
now like it was back then. No, that's true. NBA I, basketball. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I stopped kind of really watching the NBA on a consistent basis after the Hawks traded Dominique in 94. <laughs> but, you know, I kept up. Um, you know, the Bulls were, I mean, they were they were a really good team. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I would not agree with a lot of people that, that have said over the years that that was the greatest NBA team of all time, you know, that run that they had. Because honestly, I I thought that the Lakers of the '80s with Magic Johnson and you know Kareem and uh, Michael Green and uh, James Worthy and and I'm leaving out a whole bunch of guys. Um, you know, they went up against the Celtics with Larry Bird, and you still had Dr. J uh, and the Sixers that won a title. You had Dominique and the Hawks, who were consistently really good. Um, you know, through the 80s. Uh, they had that classic series with the the biting incident with, uh, you know, the Celtics. Um, you know, I, I thought that that was kind of the heyday and the highlight of the NBA, in my opinion. And those Lakers teams, uh, they didn't win it every year, but they were extremely dominant. They're in the finals every single year. Um, and I just thought there were more good teams during that time of the NBA. I, that would be my team. Um I, I like the Bulls, but really the Bulls weren't that good until, you know, you can talk about Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time. And I, I wouldn't argue with that as an individual player, perhaps. But the Bulls didn't really take off until you added pieces like Scottie Pippen, you know, uh, John Paxson, put the guys around him for that triangle offense. Um, you know, and that was a good team. But I, other than the Pistons of the late 80s and early 90s, name me a great NBA team of the 90s when the Bulls were dominant. Name you another team that in the 90s. That was dominant. That was like a classic nemesis. Uh, oh, you, you... Uh-huh. There you have it. You, you can't... But, but you can't... You're talking about Detroit's dominance in the 90s? No, I said in the late 80s, early 90s, the Pistons, you know, with Bill Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas and that crowd, great team. I think they won a couple of back-to-back. Other than that team, name me a team in the 90s when the Bulls won six out of eight or whatever it was that really, you know, was good enough to really give them a challenge. I mean, there really wasn't one. I think the Hawks of 94, and I know that Jordan didn't play that year, but um, the Hawks of 94 I thought was a team that had that team stayed together. You know, if Lenny Wilkins could have put his ego aside. (laughs) <laughs> might 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 have been a team that actually could have challenged them in their heyday for a title. We'll never know. Well, I'm going to say this about the Bulls, and a lot of the talking heads disagree with you on what you said. You didn't agree. Well, that's because the they're all wrong. I can't help it. Go that, ahead. That the Bulls were not the greatest team ever. Now, if you look at the Bulls, when they got over the hump against Detroit in the Eastern Conference Finals, they won their first championship in 91. There is no doubt in my mind if if Jordan would have not had the midlife crisis and left <laughs> to go hit, you know, 124 in the minors, that they would have dominated every championship except one in the 90s. There, there's no doubt. Now, throw Jerry Krause in there, watching the last dance – 
I'd forgotten about Jerry Krause and how big of a he's a jerk jerk he really was. Now give him credit for building the team, but you know he had an ego, and he did not like all the attention being thrown at the players. He thought that the organization was it, not the players. I, I think that uh, the fact that they haven't won a title since then and yeah. they've been marginal at best, uh, I think it's the players. But. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> take out 1990, Detroit winning that one. I believe the reason that all the talking heads say that the Chicago Bulls are the greatest team ever is based on what ifs. What if Jordan would have been there in 94-95? What if Jordan would have stuck around in, what, 1999? You know, or Scotty Pippen at that. So, well, that that is true. I will say that it would have been fun to see the Bulls in their heyday against the Rockets when they won their back to back titles, ninety four and ninety five. Now, see that might have that, and let's say they beat or split with the Rockets mm-hmm. in those two finals. I think then you can make a case that it may have been the greatest of all time because they they would have beaten a team that was. The Rockets were really good for three or four years, um, but they weren't good decade-wise. Right. You know, that's what I'm saying. In the 80s, you had the the Lakers that were good decade-wise. You had, you know, the Celtics that were good decade-wise. The Hawks were there. You had um, the the Pistons of the late 80s. They weren't good the whole time. You know, you also had the Sixers with Dr. J were part of it. Uh, well, they they were good. The Seattle Seahawks, uh, the Seattle Sonics were good. I mean, I think you had a lot of teams in the '80s that were there that yeah. that could, you know, that could push. You just didn't have that in the '90s. Well, you had, you know, if you look, Jordan came back in what '95, late '95, yes. come back wore the '45 jersey. Remember that? I was at the game at the Georgia Dome after they had torn down the Omni. I was sitting in the Georgia Dome when Jordan came back to Atlanta. And you, do you remember how the Georgia Dome used to take the curtain down the center when they do basketball? I do. Okay, so I was sitting in the upper deck about two rows from the top on the other side of the curtain watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can somebody move the curtain, please? <laughs> but, hey, I, I was in the building. I was in the building. That's right. My <laughs> my first NBA uh, My first NBA game is similar to that, Bo. It was actually in the Superdome. We, you know, my family's from New mm-hmm. Orleans, so we were down there, and the, uh, you had the Sixers of Dr. J. This was '76, I believe it was his first year after after leaving the ABA. Um, you had the Sixers against the New Orleans Jazz and Pistol Pete. There were sixty thousand people in the Superdome watching that game. Um, they didn't have a curtain; the whole thing was open, and the way I watched the game, we were in the upper deck. I had to watch it on the big, ju- you know, the big jumbotron thing. Uh, that's how I had to, because you could look, all you could see was a little bitty people yeah. running yeah. around on the court. Um, that was my first NBA game. Um, you know, so I felt for, but I, I, I've been there. I feel your pain on that. <laughs> but hey, you know, we were going to that game no matter what. But if you remember that 95 season, when Jordan came back, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals against. Shaquille O'Neal's Orlando Magic. I think Shaquille was on that team. Yeah. That, I mean, a good team, Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm, Penny. A good team, not a great team. I mean, that's what I'm saying. In the 90s, there were, 
you know, there were some teams, but really none of them could challenge. They just didn't have enough. There weren't, I just don't think there were enough good players. You know, it's kind of a, it just seemed like a down period for the NBA, in my opinion. Oh, you had Akeem Olajuwon. What are you talking about? Well, you had the Rockets that were pretty good, but, you know, then they, you know, started trading away some players. I, I just, you just didn't have consistent teams staying together. The greatest series of all time that I ever watched, in, in my opinion, uh, was the Chicago Bulls' first championship win over the Lakers. I think that was 91. That was, was that the final, final year of Magic, Magic I, I believe. Yeah, because cause then, he, they, then memory, he came, said he had gotten HIV, and the league freaked out. Yep. They didn't want him in the league. They made him leave. And then he did come back, but he was about 50 pounds heavier, at least he looked, <laughs> yeah. and about, you know, about 10 miles an hour slower. <laughs> <laughs> 10 miles an <laughs> hour. <laughs> That's pretty it good. Was not the same match. Yeah. But uh, as far as in that series goes with Chicago and their greatest run, now I can remember as a kid watching the Celtics play uh, the Lakers. I think that was, what, 87 uh, uh, they, they played they three played. or four or five times in the eighties. Uh, That's what made it such a great thing. My my the, the best series I ever saw was that Hawks um Celtic series, which I believe was in eighty seven or eighty eight, the biting incident. Um where Magic Johnson, I mean well, Larry Bird and um and Dominique had the fourth quarter where it was like a personal duel where I think they dropped both they dropped like twenty something in the quarter each, uh, it was insane. Uh, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That series went seven games, uh, a series that a lot of people thought the Hawks were actually were the better team, but didn't win it because they, game seven was in Boston. Yeah. Um, you know, that to me was the best NBA series I've ever seen. Well, I, I'm still going with the Chicago Bulls, LA in 1991. And, uh, you know, just, just, just a great series. And to to see Jordan the way he played in that series, and that's one thing about Jordan. If you watched Jordan in the 80, 86 finals or eighty seven, not finals, but uh, playoffs, this was featured in the Last Dance on uh, either season episode one or two. I can't remember which episode, but it was the year that Jordan had broken his foot. And he was out for most of the season. The Bulls were like 30 wins. Come down to the last game to get into the playoffs. John Paxson hits the game-winning shot to send the Bulls into the playoffs with 32 wins that season. So they match up with the Celtics in the first round. And Jordan's dropping like 40, 60 points on the Celtics. And he basically – now, they didn't win the series, obviously – uh, Celtics won it. I think Celtics went on to win the championship that year. But the way Jordan could take over a game was incredible, in my opinion. Well, and, and that's why, you know, I wasn't a big Jordan fan. I, I, I kind of feel like maybe I cheated myself a little bit as a you sports did. fan. You did. But I, I, was, I just wasn't a big Jordan <laughs> fan. You did. Um, you cheated yourself. But – Probably, can't but uh, I cannot believe you're saying this he, out loud. That, look, that's why he's the greatest of all time because he could single-handedly destroy a team. The, but it, it also proved the fact that one player, particularly, you know, cannot win it. 
You have to have pieces around you. Because, again, he can drop 40, 50, 60 points a game, but if you hold everybody else to 20 points, you're going to lose. Yeah, but, you know, Jordan, and, 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 well, and that's it. So Jordan admits once they that. got the pieces around him, that's what made them a great team. But, see, people talk about that as it is a bad thing. You know, they talk about, oh, Jordan needed help. Jordan admits what? that he needed pieces. Jordan even states – or has stated before, when they mention Michael Jordan, they should mention Scottie Pippen. Absolutely. And Scottie Pippen, in the last dance, you'll watch it, you need to watch it today. In the last <laughs> dance, Scottie Pippen kind of screwed himself a bit by signing a long-term contract, and then the Bulls would not renegotiate that. So in his final year, he was kind of acting like a big baby. Who you was? Know, Pippen? Pippen. You yes. know, had foot surgery or ankle surgery or whatever it was to sit out most of the season. Because he was hoping that Jerry Krause, who was not going to do anything, was going to restructure his contract when really what Krause was wanting to do was completely destroy the team after the 98 season, which he did. He dismantled the team. Yeah, because he wanted to prove that he could build a championship team again without Michael Jordan. How has that worked out? Yeah, it's not worked out for him at all. And uh, y- y- Yeah, now we're working on like 22 seasons since they won a championship. And like only once or twice have they even sniffed uh, an NBA title. Yeah, uh, so, you know, it's um, what Krause did completely, you know, killed the Bulls' legacy uh, as far as continuing the Bulls' legacy. So, you know, but but Jordan does say, and he says in the last dance, that – he knew that he needed help. And so Horace Grant and, and John Paxson and um, what's his name? Steve Kerr came in. Steve Kerr, you know, he's Golden State's right. coach. Uh, right. Uh, was it Bill Winnington or Paul Winnington, the big center? Yeah, BJ, I'm not sure, but Winnington. Winnington. You also had BJ Armstrong. Bill Cartwright. You had a lot of, a lot of great complimentary players. A, a lot of great players. And later you had Dennis Rodman come in. Oh, yeah. The defender of all times. The rebounder of all times. He's one of my favorite all-time players just because I I love the way he played. I hated him on the Pistons, but when he came to the Bulls, that was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I just liked him in general. I loved it. Actually, I liked him better when he was on the Pistons because with him and Lanbeer, you had the great villain team that was good and could win the title. Not just a team that was a villain – and just try to beat you up. But they were good, and they were nasty. They were. Uh, it, you know, give them to the Pistons. Give credit to the Pistons. They were good. They were nasty. They were mean. A, a, a team you love to hate. <laughs> yeah, you love to hate them. All right. Oh, man. I mean, that was that was TV gold. I mean, even if you weren't an NBA or basketball fan, and at that point in the late 90s, I was had kind of tuned out the NBA. But they were fun to watch just because you were like, okay, who are they going to beat up? I want to see who they're going to beat up. I mean, I, I and I mean physically, they were going to beat somebody up. They were, they were, they were going to beat somebody up, and it was going to be a brawl. And oh, it was great. Was great. That was, I mean, that's a, you, you, and and you got to watch that for free. Yeah, Pistons and Celtics <laughs> and and Bird. I mean, they'd go at each other. That was oh yeah, that was great basketball back then. And that, um, yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's yeah, NBA is a mere shell of itself. Yes, uh, compared to the. The 80s, and I'll go into the early 90s, and that, and then to me it just again, like I said, I turned off, uh, I turned off the the NBA after the Hawks traded Dominique because how do you trade 
arguably the greatest scorer of all time. Now, I realize he doesn't, he's not at the top of the scoring list in the NBA, but name me another player, Michael Jordan included. Name me another player that when they got hot and got on, you could not stop. I, I would say he rivaled Michael Jordan, his ability to just destroy a team offensively. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree on that. I think I told you, I got to watch Dominique in college growing up in Tuscaloosa. Georgia would travel over there, and we probably talked about this on the show before. But, uh, you know, you, you know a, a player is getting respect when the opposing team's gymnasium gives you a standing ovation when you're the visiting player. But that's exactly what happened. Uh, he was killing Alabama, came down and did a, you know, he did one of his windmill, but he did a circle windmill dunk. Yeah. Uh, and the crowd jumped to it. I mean, and he did it right in front of me because my tickets were first row behind the goal. That was my dad's season ticket. And so, I mean, he was like seven or eight feet from me when he did this. The human and highlight 16, reel. Yeah, 16,000 people in Memorial Coliseum jumped to their feet <laughs> because who had ever seen that in college basketball? Nobody was doing, you know, spinning windmill dunks. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. Um, and, and so you knew, you knew right then that Dominique was something special. And uh, I, I loved watching him play. That's why I watched the Hawks and the NBA was for Dominique. And uh, okay. I, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen anybody because nobody who uses the backboard anymore. <laughs> no one. I mean, and, boy, he could just kill you from. I mean, he didn't just dunk. I mean, he could score from anywhere on the court, any angle using the backboard. I mean, the, the guy was incredible. That was old school. That was old school. All right, so, no so here, like the old school, here, here is your assignment. Go watch the first two episodes of The Last Dance, okay? How do you, can I go back and rewatch? You can go watch it, rewatch. You, you've got YouTube TV, right? You can go on demand, yeah. watch it. It's on there now. So go watch that. We'll talk about it next week a little more in depth because you should have episodes one, two, three, and four finished because three and four is coming on Sunday, I believe. So make sure you watch it so we can talk more in depth in depth about it okay I, I school's not in right. why do i have homework so, you've got homework all right why? so <laughs> move, why you just do I, my dog ate it all right so <laughs> some local news white county has hired a new boys basketball coach in robbie bailey uh, he was the assistant to wade monsley who resigned from the position so he will take over the team uh in well whenever they start back hopefully Normally, on the normal date, they will start back in November. All right, also, Lumpkin County hired a new boys coach, Michael Parker, which was kind of an ongoing thing, but finally it's he's, about a, he's officially gets a job. He's officially a head coach now, and we had the story up last week with uh, Michael and talked to him a little in depth you know, about his I new will job. say that, that you know, I, I don't like to criticize the local officials, school officials and stuff like that, but – this should have been named – this should have happened months ago. It should have. It should have been official months ago. To drag Parker out like that, I, I, I you know, I, there just should have been a better way that the Lumpkin people handle that, in my opinion. Uh, they'll all disagree with me. That's okay. That's what we're here for. But uh, if anybody's put his dues in, it was Michael Parker. Uh, he wanted the job. Yes. It's a tough place. Lumpkin is a different kind of uh, – it's not a Buford kind of different. It's it's kind of on the other spectrum. I mean, small county, 
uh, that that's older. You know, it's an older community. It's not a. It's a tough place uh, to build, as we've seen, consistent sports winners. And you have a guy that wanted the job, that deserved the job, had been there, knows the kids, knows the program, knows the parents. That they should not have dragged this out for three or four months. Yeah, and he finally was named the head coach last officially, week officially and it just took way too long in my opinion so uh, good for, it's good for him because like you said jeff he's been wanting a head coaching job and uh, for some time now so finally gets a shot to uh, build his own program up at lumpkin and you know one of the things that i ask him is is so you've you've coached with uh, coach still for 11 out of your 16 years, I think it. I think is what it comes down to. I said, so how much different will it be in Lumpkin County? And it's it's in the story. Uh, Parker said, well, you know, Still and I are two very different people. <laughs> He's no, <laughs> no. You mean not another person like Jeff Steele out there? <laughs> but uh, but no, he gave a lot of credit to. <laughs> <laughs> to Jeff Still, Jeffrey Pierce of Grayson, and of course Chad Pittman, who he coached under in Dawson County, and uh, you know, but but you got to give Coach Still the credit for being his mentor for most of his career. I I mean, it, it will be, and he says they're two different people. I don't know that that means they're two different coaches because, no. you know, he he kind of knows that system and how Jeff ran his team. Oh yeah, probably as good as Jeff does. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if the Indians stay with that system, which is going to be an up-tempo, you know, they, you know, Jeff, Jeff Steele's teams always were known for their offense, but they could play defense. Yeah. That, you know, if the the teams that were really good under Jeff Steele play defense and probably were better defensively than they give, were given credit for. So it'll be interesting to see if they run the same style, but it'll also see, be interesting to see what kind of, uh, you know, what, what, what Parker puts on there, what, what kind of a stamp of, of his personality he puts on that team as well well you're looking at these two coaches robbie bailey at white county michael parker at lumpkin county i think those are only two new coaches in the area uh as far as basketball goes well we're gonna have a new coach pretty sure we're gonna have a new coach at banks county yep a new coach at banks county we've not heard who that's gonna be yet but these coaches now face a possibility a strong possibility of zero summer workouts and now Jeff you and I both know how important that is to basketball programs because the month of June we, we talked to coach Durden over at Buford about the the possibility of having no June and coach Durden said hey that is our month that is where we put our stuff in that is where we get freshman reps we get sophomore reps they get varsity time Parker and Bailey both said the same thing. If the COVID-19 cancels their June, the importance of June in basketball is for the younger players who might get or make the varsity team who would get varsity minutes against varsity competition in summer camps. They're probably not going to get that now. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, so much is up in the air. Uh you know, it is good to hear that, that you know, Kemp's going to open the state up or start opening the state up on Friday. And, and I really hope people just, you know, start going about their lives. I, I if, if more people will do that, then I think there's a good possibility that they can salvage the summer for but sports. Now, but now you and I talked about this and 
me and Coach Bailey also talked about this a little bit about, and you believe that Georgia High School Association will go along with what college and universities do. Well, so far, that's what they've been doing. So we had the the conversation yesterday, you and I on the phone, about the possibility of college football pushing into the spring, and you followed that comment up by saying that you believed high school would follow suit. Well, I, I said they, they could follow suit. So I said if college goes that route, you got to think that the high school may follow, which will then lead all – I mean, me and you talked about the endless problems that that would incur. I mean, let, let's say that that is a possibility, whether it's college or high school or both. So you come in, uh, what I'd heard is that they were going to start the season in February, college football season in February, which will drag it into May, maybe even June or July, depending if you're going to play for a championship, depending on how many games they actually play, if they play the whole schedule. Because, you're, you know, you're not going to want to lose a Georgia-Auburn, you know, potentially filling the stadium up. And then, of course, can they fill the stadium up? That's going to, you know, but so you play in February to June or July and then say, okay, now we're going to go back to regularly scheduled programming. And you come back two months later and get ready for another season. You can't do I, that. In football, you will kill the players. There's, I mean, you got to have a few months to recoup. I, that's just going to be tough. But not so, only are you going to kill the players, you're going to kill every other sport out there. March Madness is going to be killed again if that happens. I mean, right. Because think about it. You know, yeah, you're not, it's going to be hard to compete with college football. And if you do the same thing in high school, to me, it is an impossible thought to push high school football into the spring because I don't care what classification you are in, kids these days play both ways. Kids these days play more than one sport. So if you're pushing high school football into the spring, you're taking players away from baseball, from tennis, from golf, from track, from soccer. Are soccer, baseball, taking players from football, you know, right. vice versa. All that happens. And so now we have a trickle-down effect where everything's watered down and it's going to be terrible just to say they got a football season in. Right. So – well. I, I, you know, what what this whole thing with the virus has shown me is that there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that are, are following the peer pressure. Well, this state did this, so we're going to do this because we don't want to be seen as the one not to do this. I, at some point in time, the people that are supposedly being paid to make the decisions really made to make, need to make some tough decisions. If you want to keep if you're the GHSA and you want to keep things as normal as possible. If that's your goal, um, then you should just say, okay, football, and we're going to do everything we've normally do on the same timetable. Yes, you know, you, you may maybe we'll push the season back, you know, one week or we'll we'll cut the first two because everybody's going to play non-region games in the first month anyway. So maybe they cut two weeks to give extra practice time. Because injuries will be an issue if you don't have enough prep time in football. Injuries are that, that's a doesn't matter the sport if you don't if you don't have prep and injury you know and, and, I mean uh, you know and get prepared you you, yep. you run the risk of getting injured. Mm -hmm. I, I somebody in the GHSA and I guess it's got to be you know Mr. Hines because he he runs the thing. He needs to make it you know if college if college does that, the GHSA and and the other states just need to go yeah we're going to keep high school on regular schedule. 
But, I mean, even if college does that, that presents a problem for college football. Are they going to run two seasons, two seasons from February to December? I personally believe that if any changes are made, you know, if if the decision is made that they're going to play a season, that I believe that high school sports will play a shortened season where the non-region games will get cut and will go straight to region competition to stay on track. I believe college football, if they come back and they say they're going to play a schedule, I believe some of the non-conference games will be cut and they will go down to a small schedule. That is my belief because if so, if if summer practice, now a lot of the coaches, the consensus on some of the coaches that I've talked to, they believe that the after the dead week is when they will be able to go back, which is after July 4th. That's going to give them time to, to prep, to get prepared uh, for a regular for season. A regular season. Now, what they do lose, because high school football has has really stressed to seven-on-sevens, they put a lot into that. They put a lot into, you know, uh, play design, plays, you know, philosophy, all kinds of stuff in that seven-on-seven, even though some of the coaches will say, we don't like it, we have to do it. So they're going to lose a whole month of that, but they're going to come back after the dead week and they're going to get get after it. If that does not happen, though, if Georgia High School, if the state of Georgia says, no, you cannot go back, it's not safe to go back, which, granted, Georgia should be into phase three by then, hopefully, uh, in the ease-in process. Uh, if they say that they cannot go back, then I think that's when the season's going to get the, the, the chop saw to it, right. and they will cut it down drastically. Well, what do you think about the talk of, well, we'll do a season, but no fans? To me, what is the point of playing Georgia Auburn in an empty Sanford Stadium or an empty Jordan Hare Stadium? Uh, it's what's the point? Uh, look, he, here. L- let me give you a fan from a fan perspective. Do it. Do it all day long because I can watch it on TV and, and I will have live sports. Now, from the the game goer, the fan that goes to every Georgia home game, that would suck big time because the fans, the marching band, the pregame festivities, the tailgating, the fun, the overall experience will be completely lost. The game experience will be awful from the standpoint of well, we're just having a spring practice with no fans, basically, you know, but the game counts. So I don't like the idea of that happening because I want to go to the games. But if it does happen from a TV watcher standpoint, praise the Lord that we would have a live sporting event on TV to watch. I get that. <laughs> I probably would watch, but no, you it's going to be boring. It's going to be boring because, you know, oh, college be. football, college basketball in particular are, are such emotion-driven sports because of the fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you were at the Notre Dame game. I mean, that was like a religious experience for a lot of oh, people, yeah. as I understand it. You know, uh, I, I got to watch it on TV. It was extremely cool. But, you know, some of the stuff that that, that, that Georgia broke out with the red lights. And oh, yeah. The fourth quarter yeah. and – you know, I mean, it, it. you cannot duplicate that. No. I mean, you, you can't do. 
And, you know, how big was the crowd in the second half in helping Georgia come back against Notre Dame? You know, Huge. playing kind of a mediocre game. The crowd really kind of lifted the team up a little bit. Um, but how do you, you know, do it? How I, do I you just, do it? it? How do you do it? You know, that, I mean. I, I just say don't do it at this point. I I you, think that, that as a society, we all need to, you know, say, look, let's just go back to what we did before. Because if we're not going to go watch a sporting event four months or five months from now, because we're afraid we're going to catch something. You can catch something in the December cold at Sanford Stadium well, just as easily as you can catch something now. But here, here's here's the issue. Okay, so we go back, you know, and, and this has been conversation everywhere. What well, What's going to keep it from, you know, coronavirus coming back when it gets cold again? Well, I understand, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of numbers out there, but right now that's saying this is the mildest flu season, including coronavirus, that they've had in a decade. So, so I think a lot of this is overblown and I would like to see, you know, I would like to see the sporting events get back to what it, you know, if, if we're, if we've always said that sporting events are a way to distract us from, you know, politics and heavy weighted things, this could be a way, you know, to get the communities back together and show that things are safe. It's okay to go out and let's all gather and start watching sports again. That's what we would all like to see. Uh, I think it's such a big part of the fabric of of our uh, community and lifestyle and, and our civilization as it is in the United States. And I, I think that sports, we, we could use sports as, as a, um, you know, as a way to drive this to get back to some normalcy. I think that if the GHSA, if the NCAA, if the NFL, NBA, M MLB, if they all said, you know what, we're going to go back and we're going to just like after 9-11. The fact that they went back and played baseball a week later um, was just huge for the psyche of the country. And I think that I would like to see the GHSA and the high schools. I mean, this is an opportunity for high schools to drive to drive things. Yeah. And I really hope that that um, that the people that are making these decisions can see it maybe a little bit from that perspective and, and help us get back and, and heal and get back to where we would like to get to. Well, let's hope something happens here very soon with those decisions. Uh, so, NFL drafts coming up on Thursday. Falcons have the 16th pick. Don't know who they're going to get. Uh, rumors out that they're going after C.J. Henderson from Florida uh, in their first round. Also, other they're rumors. probably not going to get anybody that would help. <laughs> yeah, and the other rumor is that they're going to trade up to try to get maybe a quarterback. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of stuff just swirling around about what the Falcons are going to do. I still like the straight up trade for uh, for Deshaun Watson. Uh, me too. In fact, I'd even throw some money or something, <laughs> you know, to to Houston. I mean, honestly, I, you know, take that twenty I, million dollars, uh, straight up trade the twenty mil that's going to go against Houston's uh, salary cap. Just go ahead and give them twenty mil as well. And then yes. uh, get get Deshaun in Atlanta. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got no problem with that. So at least he can wear red and black in his career one time. 
Red and black. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, he played yeah. a Gainesville. They have a little black. Well, they do. Um, but not the quite the same, yeah. but not too bad. But, yeah, he definitely looked better in red. Yeah, definitely so. Certainly not orange. No. And not the Texans. No, he definitely looked better in red. No doubt. Stay tuned to the website, accesswdun.com. Jeff, enjoyed it today. Always, Bo. Make sure you wash your hands. Stay six feet away. Uh, six feet away from what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeff's on Twitter, at HeartJJ22. I'm at the Bo Wilson. Access is on most of the socials on Twitter, at WDUN Sports. Also, Friday Game Night at Friday Game Night. And on Facebook, Instagram, keyword search, Access, WDUN Sports. For Jeff, I'm Bo. Have a great week, everyone.